everybody. Welcome back to the Bigger Insights Technology Podcast, where we'll help you stay ahead of the curve. In this episode, we're going to explain why we think that Linux doesn't suck, it's pretty great actually, and why even normies should be using it. Don't adjust your volume, you heard that right. Linux is no longer just a science fair project for nerds. But right off the bat, let me clear some things up. First, if you're not familiar with our work, we also produce the Bigger Insights Privacy and Security Podcast, so check that out if you're interested. But I bring that up because there are many, many privacy and security reasons why you should consider using Linux, but we're going to focus almost exclusively on the technical and usability aspects of Linux in this episode. We might also produce separate privacy and security episodes regarding Linux if we feel like it. The second thing that I want to make very clear is that although I have been using Linux as a daily driver for years now, I wouldn't necessarily consider myself an expert, although I do have pretty high standards, so some may disagree with that, but I still have a lot to learn about it. And keep in mind that I've been using Windows since the 90s. So much of this episode is going to talk about Linux relative to Windows, but some of this also applies to Mac OS as well. I was in denial about how bad Microsoft was literally for decades, mostly because I knew that Mac OS had some of the same problems as well, and it didn't seem like Linux was usable as a daily driver. Well, things have changed. Believe it or not, and keep in mind this is coming from a longtime Windows user, not one of those hardcore Linux people who say it's better than everything else in every way, Linux has come a long way and is actually quite amazing. So what happened? How did I come to this conclusion? Well, I've been dabbling with Linux here and there for, I don't know, maybe 12 years or so, but never took it very seriously. For me, it had always been like a little nerdy side project just to see what it's about, but I never saw it as a potential replacement for Windows. Over time, I started educating myself on privacy and security matters, and one of those concerns was Windows itself. How can I make it more secure? What data is it collecting? What can I disable to minimize telemetry? And so on. I ended up developing a procedure that I would use when setting up new Windows systems. Disable Cortana, inking and typing, any setting with experience in the name, auto run, discoverability, remote desktop, anything related to location or maps. And obviously uninstall all the garbage default apps it installs, which for some reason they won't let you uninstall some of them like Xbox Game Bar or whatever it's called. I don't even own an Xbox. Why do I need an Xbox app on my PC? But anyway, this ended up becoming like three pages long, and it was very tedious and time-consuming to carry out. Then I started reading about O&O, ShutUp10, and related tools for disabling Windows functionality through registry edits because Microsoft hides a lot of settings in the registry so normies can't find them. Then one day, I was going through the group policy editor to try to disable some features. I started poking around some of these things and reading their descriptions. What I saw was pretty disturbing. Some of these things in the group policy editor described screenshots, mouse clicks, keystrokes, and files being sent back to Microsoft. And I don't know about you guys, but that just doesn't sound very appealing to me. 
And one can assume that if they're willing to admit stuff like that to the user, there's a fair chance that there are even scarier things that are lurking beneath the surface that they're not willing to admit to. So around this time, I was kind of ignoring the 800-pound penguin in the room, which was Linux. The issue here was that I've been using Windows since forever. A lot of my documents and templates were in Office files and so on, and I really didn't want to spend the time to learn a new operating system, especially one that I kind of assumed would be inferior and difficult to use. After setting up some new Windows installations, watching it do things like jack up partitions and not be able to fix them, overwrite Lux headers on my Linux drives, and see some of the creepy things that it does, I finally caved and decided it was time to throw in a towel on Windows. There's just no fixing it. There's no configuring it to the point where you can actually trust and understand what it's really doing. And if that wasn't enough, I'm seeing more and more news stories and hints that Microsoft is basically turning Windows into adware. Imagine if Feces Book made an operating system. This is the direction that it looks like Windows is heading toward, and we want nothing to do with that. And don't even get me started on Mac OS. Like Windows, it's closed source, but it has concerns all on its own, which we may discuss in a future episode. So that's a dead end as well. Ultimately, I decided to bite the bullet and give Linux a serious try as a daily driver. The first thing that I tried was Cubes OS, which we definitely don't recommend for new Linux users, especially if it's your only machine. We'll probably make some episodes on Cubes OS in the future, so let us know if you're interested. Cubes OS was great. We think it's actually easier to use than most people give it credit for and should be considered for some normies as long as they have some help. But we ended up switching to Fedora for a while for hardware and performance reasons, and it's always nice to try out a new operating system. Now that we've been using Fedora for a while, honestly, we're pretty blown away by it. All of our hardware works with it. We've got a dock, audio interface, multiple monitors, cameras, and whatnot, and it all works flawlessly. When I first started setting up my machine, I was surprised to not only see how well the hardware works, but how much easier it is to set some things up compared to Windows. Take network configuration, for example. Other than maybe some PowerShell commands or something like that, if you want to change your DNS settings in Windows, you need to go through like six dialogues, some of which haven't been changed in decades as far as I can tell. I literally wrote down these convoluted steps in these Windows notes that I have because I always forget and it takes me like 10 minutes to figure it out. How about in Linux? You click on your network, open the settings dialog, and boom! Right there you've got your IPv4 and IPv6 tabs where you can set your DNS and other settings. It takes 20 seconds. I also noticed that my printers worked without having to do anything. Contrast that with Windows. Right now I have three Windows 10 installations. Two of them recognize both of my printers. One of them recognizes one printer, but not the other. Doesn't even see it. I have absolutely no idea why. I spent so much time trying to figure it out that I just gave up. Linux is also great at working with file systems. All of the Linux distributions I've worked with seem to have no problem with NTFS, which is a Windows format but it can also handle a lot of other formats and even fix Windows mistakes. 
This is not a joke. There have been at least two instances in my life where Windows has screwed up a partition so badly that the only way I was able to fix it was boot up Linux and reformat it with Gparted. I mean, just think about that for a second. I had to use Linux, a free operating system. Yes, I know it's really just a kernel, but you know what I mean, to fix partitions that Windows screwed up. And I use this to create NTFS partitions, which again is made by Microsoft. If I was Microsoft, I would be so ashamed of that that I would rethink my life. Oh, I almost forgot about this, but I've also used Linux to help people recover data from NAS systems and whatnot because most non-Windows computers around the world run Linux and don't use NTFS for that reason. All right, some more along the normie lines. What about basic things like a file manager or explorer? Believe it or not, at least in Fedora, we like the file manager better than Windows Explorer. It's simpler, more intuitive, has tabs, which I think Windows finally added not that long ago, and the best part, it doesn't crash on you. This is one of the most embarrassing things about Windows. Windows Explorer was pretty stable until around the time that Windows 10 came out, in which case Windows 7 actually started having this issue where Explorer would just crash on you out of the blue, and this affected Windows 10 as well. So that's been, like, how many years now? Around 10? And still, sometimes when I get on Windows, Explorer crashes on me. That might not sound like a big deal, but when you've got 20 important windows open and are transferring files around and Explorer crashes on you, you'll find out real quick how much of a pain that really is. Oh, and I almost forgot. Nautilus, which is the name of this Linux file manager I'm talking about, has this rename feature where you can quickly rename one or more files by replacing whatever text you want. I use that thing all the time, and I remember I used to work at a place where we installed this sketchy Explorer add-on just for this purpose. You can also right-click on a file or directory and compress it to zip, tar, or 7-zip. Now let's talk about performance. Linux is generally lighter on resources than Windows is. When I was using Cubes OS, the Debian and Fedora Cubes used something like 200 to 300 megabytes of RAM at baseline. That's pretty good. It's also light on CPU usage. I do have a decent processor, but when I look at my CPU usage, it's usually in the 3 to 5% range. My CPU usage is so low that my fan usually doesn't even run. In fact, when I first got this laptop, I was starting to think that the CPU fan was broken because it just wasn't running. Speaking of which, I had this problem, I think it was in 2020 or 2021, where Windows 10 had this process that ran at a steady 30% CPU usage for months. I think it was something called NTOS Core or NTOS Kernel or something like that. It drove me absolutely up the wall. They eventually fixed it, but then the problem came back. Then they fixed it again, and then it came back. This went back and forth for like a year. I just don't see problems like these in Linux. Linux also doesn't require as much disk space. One time I worked at a place where we would partition people's hard drives to separate the operating system from their data. I'm not sure that's a great idea, but that's just what they did. 
But over time, we started running into issues where Windows kept growing in size to the point where we would need to repartition the user's hard drive to give Windows more space, which is not as easy as you would think. Linux is generally smaller, and it does grow somewhat over time, but at a more manageable pace. So the point here is that Linux allows you to do more with less, which could mean doing the same work on a cheaper system or much more work on the same system. You don't need a $2,000 MacBook to check your email, pay your bills, and post selfies on Instasham. You could literally do all of that on a $50 Raspberry Pi. But Apple and Microsoft don't want you to know that. One of the things that they do is consistently update the operating system to do more work, whether that be more telemetry or some kind of AI BS that you don't really need. But what that does is it makes PCs become obsolete sooner than they otherwise would. If you're doing basic computing on Linux, you can easily use a computer for more than 10 years. In fact, I have a PC right now that I built in 2012, which I only spent like $2,200 on at the time, so it was never really that beefy to begin with, yet it still runs great on Linux. And another thing worth mentioning is using virtual machines. We think everyone should be using virtual machines for various reasons, but if you've ever run Windows VMs, you understand how intensive that can be. You might only be able to run two or three of them before your system really starts to bog down. On my laptop, I sometimes have a dozen Linux VMs running and don't even notice a performance impact. And on top of that, there's the whole licensing issue. Do you really want to license a dozen Windows machines when you can use Linux for free without permission and be able to run more of them because they use fewer resources? Think about it sometime. Now let's talk about the future. As I alluded to earlier, we're seeing more and more evidence that Microsoft is turning Windows into adware. They even went so far as to test or explore placing ads directly in Windows Explorer. You can't make this stuff up. Microsoft is expanding its ad business and in concert with Bing and their AI efforts, we have serious concerns about this. Did you know that Windows Explorer makes connections to Bing.com? Why? What data is being transmitted and what is it being used for? We're not sure. Only Microsoft knows that, but we have a sneaking suspicion that if you knew, you wouldn't be happy with it. What about Apple? Well, we generally consider Apple to have a little more integrity than Microsoft, but that's difficult to quantify, and it may just be the case that they're either just better at PR or at hiding their practices and intentions from their users. But what we do know is Apple is pushing into the advertising space as well. Apple has been subject of multiple class action lawsuits regarding deceptive privacy practices like collecting users' information despite opt-outs. Now, why would Apple, the supposed champion of privacy, violate people's privacy like that? Of course, only they know for sure, but we suspect it's for advertising purposes. Why else would they do that? Not to mention the whole client-side scanning thing, which we suspect will resurface in some form at some point in the future. You know, once these big tech companies decide they want to do something and they receive backlash, they tend to back off for a little bit, then bring it back up with some different spin on it. 
Just look at what Google did with Flock, Federated Learning of Cohorts. They backed off on that because they received a lot of negative feedback. So is it dead? Nope. They just rolled it out under a new name called Privacy Sandbox because they're just looking out for your privacy. Microsoft has also been contemplating a cloud version of Windows, which sounds like a disaster waiting to happen. And it may not happen, but we would bet a lot of money that Microsoft would make Windows cloud only if they thought they could get away with it. The point is that we see where Windows, Mac OS, and Chrome OS are heading, and it looks like a 1984 hellscape. So we're of the opinion that the sooner you switch to something that better respects you and your data, the better off you'll be. Now let's talk about applications. In the past, it was the case that many applications didn't have a Linux version. For certain types of software, that still is the case, but Linux has come a long way in this regard. Every major browser or VPN worth its salt has a Linux client. You can run Steam, Spotify, and many other normie apps on Linux. Another thing that's helping to relieve this issue is the increasing prevalence of web apps and progressive web apps. So if some service that you use doesn't support Linux, they may have a web app you can use, which may also be more private and secure than running their native apps anyway. But again, there are some apps that don't support Linux. I believe most Adobe apps do not, but again, this episode is for normies. What do you really use Adobe apps for? Photoshop to make a few memes? Maybe a little art and illustrator? Maybe read or fill out some PDFs in Acrobat? Well, I've got good news for you. You can do all of that on Linux without Adobe. For Photoshop, you can use GIMP. We use it all the time. For Illustrator, there's Inkscape, which we use for logos and some of our dank memes. For PDFs, there's an app called Events, also known as GNOME Document Viewer, which comes with many Linux distributions. What about Microsoft Office? We use LibreOffice. Not only is it free, which I don't know about you, but we like having money in our pocket rather than in Microsoft's, but it's cross-platform, doesn't spy on you, and it generally works with Office file formats. It's actually quite amazing. Even if you're on Windows or Mac OS, we still think that you should try to make LibreOffice work for you. But we're not going to sit here and try to make you think that there aren't still issues here. If you're a hardcore gamer or something like that, it will probably make sense for you to have a Windows machine. What we typically recommend that our clients do is have two machines, a Linux one and a Windows one. If you like to live dangerously, you could dual boot on one machine, but we've had some pretty bad experiences with Windows screwing that up, so separate machines are preferred. So what you would do is your personal and more sensitive computing on your Linux machine then gaming and other niche activities on Windows. But other than that, and excluding certain professional requirements, of course, we're quite convinced that many, many people out there could do everything they actually need to do on a cheap Linux system. So not only are they throwing money away on Windows and Mac OS devices, but there are very serious privacy and security concerns there as well. So take grandma, for example. What does she use her computer for? Calls? Use Signal or Jitsi? Shopping or checking the weather? 
Use Firefox, Tor, Brave, LibreWolf, Mulvad Browser, or one of the many other good browsers on Linux. Read statements and bills? GNOME Document Viewer. Write some letters to little Johnny and little Susie? LibreOffice. You see what I mean? So, let's just do a quick recap. Linux is free, open source, has pretty decent application support, doesn't monetize your data, doesn't show you ads, is light on resources, and in many ways is legitimately better than Windows and Mac OS in our opinion. I'm not exaggerating. If I was an alien, which I can neither confirm nor deny, and I visited Earth and was given four PCs, Linux, Windows, Mac OS, and Chrome OS, I am quite confident that I would eventually gravitate toward Linux even without knowing that it's free and that the others are built and maintained by trillion dollar companies. I would try all four, test performance, read the terms and conditions, inspect what limitations each imposes, as well as what data is being collected from each system and conclude that Linux is the way to go. So hopefully by now we've convinced you that Linux is at least worth trying out. That's all we're trying to do in this episode. We're not trying to tell you to go office space on your PCs or burn your MacBooks with fire, just that you should really start thinking about trying Linux. If people would do that and get the hang of it, we're quite confident that they would understand where we're coming from on this and agree with our conclusion. But before you go, note that we are working on another episode where we're going to go into more detail about how to get started with Linux, so stay tuned for that. Otherwise, if you'd like more help getting started, we do help clients like you with Linux and other technologies in one-on-one consulting sessions. If that sounds interesting to you, go to our website, biggerinsights.com, and fill out the short form at the bottom of the page so we can schedule your initial consultation. If you found this content helpful and can spare some coin, please consider making a contribution. We accept Monero, Bitcoin, and Litecoin, and we'll put the address information in the description. We are once again asking you to subscribe and share this podcast so we can help as many people as we can. If you haven't guessed it by our content, big tech companies really aren't fans of our work, so they're less inclined to promote it. So we really need you to share our content so others can find it. All right, that's it for this episode. Thanks for staying until the end. We hope that you'll consider trying Linux someday and have a great rest of your day.